I mean, yeah, between like semi-structured and structured, I would say semi-structured is probably still the way to go. All right, hi everyone, and welcome to HashMap on Tap. I want to thank you for tuning in, and we really appreciate you listening to the show today. I'm David Hernser, an RTE here at HashMap NTT, and my co-host is fellow HashMapper RTE Chinmayi Lakad, and we're going to be having a good discussion, uh, giving our perspective regarding data ingestion, really focusing on the use case where you may be tasked with automating schema detection and creation. But always like our on taps, we always have a drink with us. So before we get started, Chimai, what are you drinking today? Hey, David. So today I have Nabob coffee with me. It's from this Canadian company called Craft, and they're really known for their bold roast, which is what I'm having right now. And I'm doing the exact opposite. I'm doing LaCroix lime <laughs> seltzer water. So I already had my coffee. And if I had another cup, I'd probably go out of my mind. So I decided to go back a little bit and get a little bit of bubbly. So doing my LaCroix lime seltzer water. Nice. All right. So let's set the stage here. Our discussion, I think it's a good one. It's an important one given the changes that we're seeing in technology. So mm -hmm. the topic today is semi-structured data and how it helps to simplify data ingestion. So without further ado, let's get started. And Chimay, let's give some background on the discussion, kind of give us an overview of about this discussion, how it kind of runs in terms of uh, data ingestion. Right, so when you say data ingestion, it's, a, it's that part of your data pipeline where you're trying to onboard data which has already been extracted or is in the, in the process of being extracting, but you're loading it up into this newer system somewhere in your pipeline, right? So just focusing on this, I think there are still two mindsets uh, that drive how data ingestion is taken care of. One is this traditional mindset, which deals primarily with the structured relational data, where the focus is on conforming to a structure, obviously, meaning predefining the number and type of data elements, aka column, their type mapping, etc., right at the point of ingestion and keeping it close to the structures that you're having to onboard. Ah, and then contrast that with kind of the emerging mindset, right, where the data is moving towards more non-relational representation, more object-oriented or semi-structured data, you know, which has freed up a many architectural decisions up front on your judging processes. So let's, uh, let's have a little bit of background about that. Right, exactly. So, you know, for a good length of the time, the data processing and or the business analytical processing was based on relational model and powered through the uh, ever so powerful SQL language, right? But with this growth of internet and the application slash services it enabled, a new way of modeling information or data emerged, which was way easier for data exchange. And this was the semi-structured uh, data representation format. It's a big term, it's an umbrella term, and it generally refers to uh, data formats like XML and JSON on the text uh, data representation side, and then Avro, Parquet, RCORC on the binary format end. Ah, so that's okay. Then, so typically, like when I think of data ingestion, I think most folks, we're going to think of structured data sets, right? So we're thinking we're getting like CSV files. So think set, set columns, right? Set delimiters. It's going to exactly match the structures being ingested into, mm -hmm. right? Your source doesn't yes. change kind of where it requires a business process to change, uh, really all centers on how the source data really doesn't change. There's no rules. I mean, there's no rule uh, for uh, ever evolving data. So unless there really is a business need, nothing changes. It kind of becomes a coordinated effort at that point. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
but I think that's kind of where our typical mindset is when we think of data ingestion, you know, and structured data ingestion. True. And and then, then there's this semi-structured data text or binary, which affords you uh, these multiple formats, each fine-tuned to their own application use case, which allow you to capture data from a disparate range of sources, both traditional relational sources or your uh, event managed messaging sources, uh, your I- IoT sources, etc. All of this because it lends itself so easily to capturing complex hierarchical relationships, which is difficult to represent in a relational type. You know, and, and then, of course, the sharing of this information across these disparate systems downstream also becomes very easy. JSON uh, was, is, is a big example here. You know. yeah, that's where you hear a lot. Of, I think a lot of it is JSON, now, especially from a lot of these different mm-hmm. various systems now. It's because of the ease of which you can build these streams. So evidently, that's definitely gaining in popularity. So let's, let's kind of change the discussion. Let's, gain, let's kind of change why, it's, why is semi-structured gaining in popularity? Why do you think? Well, again, uh, so yes. The widespread use is because, like I, you know, said before, the choice of different formats that's you know under the umbrella of semi-structured data. Like you have JSON, which is key-value pair-based representation, but it can be nested to uh, I don't know ad infinitum, and it is text-based, so it is easier for even a human to read. And also easier to interpret uh, via a application program. And then there is Parquet, Avro, each optimized for a different use case, whether you're you know, trying to optimize on a, column, a fa- columnar fashion or on a, a record fashion. Another point uh, that I would like to note is semi-structured data, it's not like they don't have a schema. They don't have a structure. Yes, they do. There's, there's some uh, method to the madness, but that method, that schema is embedded. So in a way, they are self-describing. Gotcha. And on that, I think in the biggest thing, I think the schema can change, right? So some of the neat things we see is that source data, especially from vendor source data, can be ever-evolving, right? So the payload format kind of simplified. I don't have to worry about mm-hmm. changing how I'm expecting that data. So technically, they can just pass me a string. And that, as long as that string has what I'm expecting to be in there, when I go to consume it, they can alter it. And I, I don't have to use what's there or I can. So let's keep on going. So, and what about the fact that, you know, it frees up engineering, right? So I don't have to really provide a lot of logic, right? On that schema on right every single time. I don't have to worry about every single detail of the the key value pairs. I don't have to worry about every single key value pair. And am I I accounting for it? I can really um, defer that, you know, time of, you know, now we have schema on read, right? So a huge bonus in time and energy saved, right? You really have to really worry about the stuff until you need it, especially when dealing with big data, multi, you know, giant gigabyte systems or terabyte systems and, you know, high scale systems uh, allows you to capture data really in that original diversity and hierarchy and really do what you want with it, uh, you know, on the consumption side. Wow, that's that's powerful. And I and I do understand this theory and, and the concept. So now let's discuss a use case here. So let's say I have semi-structured data a JSON stream, to be specific, that is coming out of different source systems that I'm I'm tracking, and I want to do analytical processing on this data later on, right? So it needs to be ingested from the various sources. But the catch here is that this JSON stream is evolving in the sense that what data I put in that JSON 
it can expand our contract based on let's say the business needs so in this case i need uh, data to be curated staged and then delivered to reporting structures as is typical for you know your analytical pipelines gotcha. and, and to be just more specific in this use case let's say we are trying to ingest this json stream into a relational database because again going back to that analytical processing sql still is a very powerful and uh, used right so let's stick with this use case what do you think gotcha yeah that's true a analytics typically right no matter what we're still kind of using the relational model it's just mainly because it's easy to it's easy to query it's easy to utilize and it's understandable when you read it so yeah analytics definitely still powered by relational data in sql and so typically right i think we are traditionally we did kind of inspect that json we'd build that entire structure mm -hmm. from i think in thing of logic like let's kind of go but we what we think we would do in a traditional sense we build that entire structure up front, right? We build that raw layer and we tightly couple that raw layer, that raw structure basing that in that raw layer to the actual JSON. So how does that, how can that change? Wow, right. So because you are ingesting into a relational database, you, the traditional way is get to know the structure of your data set first and then plan out how you are going to ingest it. But that must surely require a lot of man hours which I, I think, you know, can be done away with. Oh, I totally agree. And I, the biggest thing too, I, what I see is administration, right? Kind of really goes through the roof. Uh, the entire pipeline, right? is going to be more prone to errors because you're going to have oh, so yeah. many places where you're, you know, moving things and putting things versus, you know, if I can keep that JSON stream intact in and of itself, I'm not really worried about splitting and parsing that data until I need it. So like the number of structures, uh, for example, a number of pipelines, things like that are, should, should be simplified, right? It should be a lot less complex. Right. And it also comes to my mind that presently, all the modern data warehouses, especially the big four cloud data warehouses and data breaks, they have this native capability to work with non-relational data. Also, you know, in other words, semi-structured data, right? So now there is this window of opportunity that has opened up to do away with those administrative slash engineering problems that we you know often see when we deal with strict structured data but then the data is also evolving yeah it's true i mean we typically to see that right from programming perspective right let's say i have a rest endpoint or something right and uh -huh. get the json payload it was usually from an app dev perspective but now we're seeing yeah you're right the the, the cloud you know data providers and the you know like i said the big four big or big five rather they have all that capability now so with that, let's let's continue our use case. So now we have a JSON use case where we're ingesting, we wanna ingest data, but we're not too worried about not being able to handle what you call semi-structured data natively. So how does this really alter our use case? Well, continuing along, so with the knowledge that uh, I have a native capability to represent data structures, or let's say uh, I now have a data dive that can natively absorb a JSON record our object without me having to split it into individual columns, I then at this point don't really need to do this pre-step of trying to understand the structure and create a table with a V. I can just create a table for sure because it's relational uh, representation still, but that table can have this one column, one data element of that semi-structured data type. So all my information is packed into this one column, which can be unpacked as required, which is very powerful. And it just definitely starts to open up opportunities and advantages. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, by that one column, right, you see, like to me, it, first thing it hits you is like that structural simplicity, right, of the source objects, you know, creating your raw layer. You're really not having to worry about, you know, if I have a JSON stream that has, you know, 30 key value pairs, and I really, I'm my downstream only needs four, I'm not mm -hmm. really worried about the rest of it. I'm, the simplicity of those source objects definitely changes or definitely becomes easier. And then, you know, timing issues, right, with modifying or creating tables, you know, maybe you have, you ingest the data on every 10 minutes, but maybe another process is maybe reading that data every 30 minutes. I don't want to worry about timing issues or modifying or recreating tables to uh, you know, accept the new field that may be in the JSON data, right? I just want to be able to push it in and then later on worry about not having to worry about that curated data or reporting structures having to be, you know, altered or worry wow, about right errors there. occurring, right? So, so you mean that if, you know, the, the, the format of the JSON changes at source, let's say it suddenly starts throwing in new key value pairs, the ingestion will not fail because of the simplicity or the general nature of how the very first raw table structure is, it'll absorb that change natively, right? Exactly. I mean, that, that's, that's, I think that's what the key thing is, right? Your gesture processes probably are really become more robust. They're not really going to fail just because of, again, that, that simplistic structure, right? But again, mm -hmm. let's go back and, you know, throw that in. No matter what, you still, after ingesting, you still want to have these tests, right? So once that data is ingested, you still want to run as many tests as possible to guarantee that what you what you need downstream, right? What you need uh, in those curated and reporting structures is still going to be available because again, if those those JSON streams are evolving, you definitely want to make sure that they're that they're good before you start. Oh right, just like Spider Man had to learn that uh, with power comes responsibility. So yes, you're <laughs> able to absorb these changes, but then that does not mean that the dependency is lost. So you at least want to put those tests in so that whatever key value pairs that you really depend on are sort of mandatory are tested for for their presence Definitely. so if we need to consume a new field that is now in the updated json data of, uh, and coming in through the same ingestion process which by the way is not does not need to be altered it'll all still get automatically absorbed and it can be used as required downstream i, I was just yep. re reiterating for my own benefit as well yeah i mean and the simple thing about that right is now my on my consumption side right really all we gotta do is update the view right or you know mm -hmm. whatever how the however that whatever the taps that that raw later right and and builds and corresponds i guess to that downstream data structures right to include that new field right if we're talking about bringing new stuff in or maybe modifying things i'm really not having to do anything on the ingestion side right so it's really a limit the amount of work needed like to update a pipeline the, the you kind of had that you know ingestion happening and then i totally have to do, I, mean, I can totally do something different on the consumption of that data. Right. And then on the other hand, if you don't want to use a field, it has become obsolete. Uh, you can just ignore it. And the process remains the same. You don't have to go back and recreate the structures to fine tune it any further. So all this oh, lends gotcha. more to the ease of consumption as well, right? Which is what the business actually needs versus having, like I said, versus having to perform the work again on the ingestion side and retune it and uh, check out the obsolete ones. Yeah, I can see a lot of that being happening, right? With like some of these IoT devices and things where you're really maybe yeah. geared, you know, to what the, a certain data payload and a certain time, all the other aspects of what that system or what that device may put out, you, you may not even care. So yeah, you can ignore pretty much everything you want, except for what makes business sense to you. So again, let, let's do it one more time, no matter what, put tests around it, right? Even though you may only care about one or two things. I'm going to keep reiterating that. Keep those tests involved because, you know, you may ignore half the payload or more. 
you want to make sure what you're using is still in the format and still you know available you know so it's down so those uh, so those downstream uh, you know exform uh, transforms don't uh, don't fail absolutely i think that's that's like a best practice or a, a, a must do or slash a should do when you're using semi-structured data because uh, like i said with power comes responsibility so you know when you have shape shifting data uh, you also want to be sure of what you need is at least present there yep agreed so let's let's recap and look at what all this could mean from a business perspective awesome yeah i mean i so the first thing you think about right is this <clears throat> when you're able to separate this it kind of builds an abstraction layer right between what how you ingest or your ingestion processes and then kind of your consumption business processes right think mm -hmm. separation of duties where you literally have a team that's kind of binding to that source and it could be the same team but uh, maybe you have a different team that's literally gathering data from these data sources and making sure they get ingested this raw layer properly and then you have another team that may actually build the consumption part mm -hmm. and there's the confusion between these two teams is reduced and with this separation of duties uh, you know at the end, the business is also then freed up to take decisions to utilize, start utilizing new data and not having to worry about how long will they have to wait before the underlying uh, data format uh, evolves itself and the related pipeline evolve themselves to absorb this new change, so on and so forth. So it really becomes easier for business as well to take new decisions on incorporating uh, new data. Oh, 100% agree. I mean, and that really kind of lends itself to the whole, you know, part of keeping that separation of that ingestion process, right? If I if I do have yeah. something maybe that's kind of changing on the ingestion piece, or maybe again, like you said, the that JSON scheme is evolving. I'm not worried about saying, okay, we got to create an entire project for an end-to-end -end update, right? From the time I look at my source to the time I get in the raw layer to the time I you know, build a consumption process. Really, it kind of keeps that separated. And the, to me, like the length of time and the complexity of that of that end-to-end -end update really goes away. I'm kind of putting mm -hmm. it just where, if again, if I want to consume it, I, I just have to worry about that consumption piece. If I'm worried about transferring you know, the new data, really, that process doesn't change. If that scheme evolves, the same process is going to ingest and run. To sum up, there are these two approaches to me, which I think they, they still have their own places. One is, one could still be that, you know, traditional way to do it, where you want to expand your structures and conform to a relational structure at the time of ingestion itself. You know, you, you have, you have your known columns and their known data types all mapped out right from the start. Versus this other approach, which leaned towards semi-structured data, which is a little bit easy on the administration and natively handles complexity. So there are still these two choices and they may have their own places still. Yep. And that, that leads right into the mix and match thing we discussed earlier, right? You would definitely, even though you say how, oh, you know, structured data may be a little more cumbersome, all these data structures, but if you already had that stuff in place, great. I mean, if you're getting new semi-structured mm -hmm. <clears throat> or evolving systems, great, right? So you can mix and match. You don't have to go one way or the other, or, you know, tell all your uh, your vendors or, or systems that, hey, I have to have JSON only. If you're already That's getting these structured data and it's already static, just use it. Uh, so you don't have to go kind of one way or the other. That's That's kind of a big benefit in my eyes as well. But even so, even so, right, do you still have a preference from these two? I mean, yeah, between like semi-structured and structured, I would say semi-structured is probably still the way to go just because I really believe it, it 
limits you know the amount of complexity that has you know involved with ingesting this data it limits to me it really eliminates the possibilities of errors and and places where things can go wrong right if you're trying to translate on that ingestion i just see so many problems with that i mean so if you can i definitely if you had the choice i would definitely request that you know from your vendor or whoever or from your source system if you can get json i would definitely request that but again if not again you still mix and match that's true that's true i i agree with that because it is the big data age now, right? And that means oh, yeah. that you have access to more data and a whole variety of that. So with variety, you are implicitly agreeing to this ever-changing data form. And you know, there's no limit to what you can capture from one point to another. And with that, you know, you're essentially agreeing to this change in schema, which is inevitable. So Therefore, I think that leaning towards data, semi-structured representation of your data makes life easier in general. Oh, yeah. I couldn't agree more. Well, I think that sums it up for us. Uh, Jim, thanks for the great insight. And uh, I hope this gives our listeners who may not already be doing this or have seen this a little more flexibility in how they approach data in uh, their data ingestion processes and their consumption processes. So thanks, guys. And always a big thank you uh, to everyone listening today. And please subscribe to the podcast and visit us at hashmapping.com. And please uh, feel free to give us any kind of feedback or comments. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you soon on another episode and take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to HashMap on Tap. Be sure to subscribe for weekly new episodes and visit HashMap's Medium blog for new data and cloud technology perspectives. If you have any comments or suggestions for the podcast, please visit the HashMap ONTAP page on HashMap's website. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for tuning in.